is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site. Um, with my co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and oh my gosh, you know, it's rare that we have news hit in a timely manner that we can talk about it on the show, like same day, and I wish we didn't have to do it, because this episode, episode 414, this is about the bad stuff, and the Cardinals over the last more than a year have been just the it's like hit after hit after hit and this is bad um we'll talk about this Terry McDonough um Michael Bidwell it it there's nothing good about this so yeah that the bulk of the show is about the the scandal the this cloud hanging over this franchise, this organization, and and then we'll do a little talk about DeAndre Hopkins because it, you know this this overshadows everything. Seth, what what are we to make of this? We'll, we'll go into the details in just a second, but what are we to make of the last fourteen months that we've dealt with with the Arizona Cardinals? Um, I think it's just goes to a culture aspect of what something that you and I've talked about and it's been trying to like change the culture and the perception of the Arizona Cardinals and as fans we tend to get um we we tend to get territorial right like oh well you can't talk poorly about my team you know type of stuff but the reality seems to be that this team doesn't necessarily deserve that um that kind of grace right like that they seem to be willing to put themselves in positions to have this kind of turmoil and have this kind of negativity brought on them and apparently a lot of it was happening and almost operating as like well-known and people might say, you know, well, what are you talking about? But like the response to the allegations were almost as damning and inflammatory as the allegations themselves. Like why would you want a person like that in your organization, especially near the top of your organization, making decisions and being a part of the, you know, what we would call the executive team. Like, why would you want a person with that many issues in that position? And now it's almost like the chickens are coming home to roost from that mistake, right? Of like allowing Terry McDonough to be a part of this organization for as long as they did maybe trying to operate in good faith you know maybe trying to allow him to work through his personal issues uh but i think i think the combination of the two is is where the concern and and you know where the where the trouble lies in general, because as you and I talked about off the air, how, how were you letting somebody that you've had this many concerns and or disciplinary issues continue to operate within your organization? Yeah. So what this stems from is, and it was reported by the athletic and also ESPN's Adam Schefter is that, a former Arizona Cardinals executive, Terry McDonough, who at one point was the number two to Steve, Steve Kime. Um, he, in fact, he was the one that became the number two after Jason Light left to become GM of the of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he was the vice president of player personnel 
And then he even had, he was a finalist for the GM interview in 2017 with, for the San Francisco 49ers. And then by 2019, he disappeared. Now he was still on the team. So he was still part of the front office as a senior executive. And if we're going to look at kind of the timeline is that now he, he has allegations. Oh man. It's just, let's try to try to put this together because he filed an arbitration demand with the NFL accusing uh, Michael Bidwill of demoting McDonough after he objected to <laughs> to some scheme to circumvent a suspension of Steve Kime. Let's go through the details of stars. Now, if we remember back in 2018, back in 2018, the night of July 4th, I remember I was visiting. I was in I was in southern Utah with my family visiting my in-laws and it was up super early. I think it was either July 4th or July 5th. And there was the news that Steve Kime was arrested for DUI. That not not ideal. No, that was that was that you know honestly since 2018 is thing things have just kind of been spiraling. Um that was a whole thing. They suspended him. The Cardinals reacted what we probably responded with, what we would consider appropriate and swift. And they, two weeks later, after, so within two weeks, the Cardinals come out and announce that Kime had been suspended. Five weeks, $200,000 fine. Uh, Bidwell said that you know he believed that at that point it's the, it's the, that it was the largest fine and longest suspension for in the NFL previously for for a DUI offense. It's important to note that this was a team discipline, a team-sentenced discipline. It did not come from the league. It came from Bidwill himself. Time-wise, it was was in the middle of July, right before training camp, and so for the five weeks he was out, it was going to cover the entirety of training camp and the first half of the preseason. Go for it. What are you going to say? Well, I was going to say, let me ask you this. Um, so the Cardinals handed out their own discipline. You know, like you said, this did not come from the league. Do you think this that was done in order to maybe not circumvent probably the right or wrong word, but like, you know, preclude the league from from maybe doing any more or looking into any more of it's possible the ongoings of the front office. Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably fair is to that. I mean, and it's obviously hindsight now, like looking at everything we know, I don't know if it was necessarily, you know, malevolent or, or like there were any, there, there were any bad, bad prop. Like it was, but like we're there was finding undertones, out- but uh, you know, the but fact we're finding out that McDonough and Kime are really close, right? And, and obviously, we know Bidwell and Kime are really close. So, so, like that, they were all together, or you know, things like that. Like where you know, maybe there was more. Obviously, only one person got caught driving drunk, but you know, there was more. Like this was a consistent thing that they were doing, type stuff. So it's like, hey, let's just we'll take care of this. Like Steve, you're suspended. Like let's get let's get ahead of this so to speak so nothing comes you know like nothing comes home home with this basically yeah and how how it happened so the timeline of this is that you know part of the suspension was he was not to have contact with the team mcdonough claims that that there was a burner scheme a phone like that um McDonough was provided with a burner phone that were burner phones used to communicate with Kime during the suspension because it's that kind of part of the offseason. And that, you know, during the preseason that McDonough approached Bidwill and said that he and then coach Steve Wilkes came out and said, you know, no, we're, we're not okay with this. We're not okay with this. We, I, I'm not comfortable cheating. We don't need to cheat to succeed in the in the preseason, um, and 
And from that, it led to Bidwell supposedly demote and harass McDonough ever sent. He was, uh, what is what does it say in the in the report? Is that he received illegal and retaliatory mistreatment and abuse from Bidwell after McDonough voiced objection for the burner bone scheme, which violated the rules set forth in King Kime's suspension. Um, and basically, <laughs> um, yeah. And and then uh, in addition to that, it was more than just that. Um, he was apparent like he was apparently demoted twice. Okay, so the demotion came in 2019. He went from like second in command to seventh in command, and then there was another demotion with a with a pay cut down to 220 thousand dollars and like that's we're talking significant money more money than than you know apparently when he was when he was the vp of personnel the player personnel he was making five hundred fifty thousand. um he was he was demoted um down to and he paid three hundred thirty thousand, and then he took another cut as well in 2022 and then this year this is well. This is what the team responded with: is that the team informed him after after Monty Austinfort was after Monty Austinfort was hired that they were not going to renew his contract; that he was going to be let go after that. But it also alleges a number of things of inappropriate and you know hostile type work environment um, for that. But that's I don't know. It just feels like the overall thoughts with all this for me is I don't know what to think especially as what what the cardinals react because the cardinals then they had so like i they must have known this filing was coming because they had a pr guy the spokesperson and they had basically a dossier full of stuff that they had on mcdonough and his erratic behavior, his insubordinate behavior, problems and and conflicts, abusive verbally abusive with with employees, um, insubordinate, absent, um, not following through on things, and I don't know, I don't know about all this. I I don't know which side to take if there is a side to be had because it sounds like McDonough was an awful person to work with. And at the same time, this, like, we know that there's problems in the organization, but, and with, with confirmations from people we know who have worked with the team, that there is a level of toxicity in terms of leadership and the way things are run that it's hard to avoid. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest thing. Um, that we've seen in this whole thing is like, you know, I, I don't like necessarily the Cardinals going on the offensive, so to speak with, uh, their basically, you know, discrediting of McDonough because of the type of man and person he is. Because again, that go that goes back to, well, you guys were employing him the entire time, and it, yeah, it sounds like like for years they they were like there were problems and they continued to employ him, and so while while on one level, at one level it says they they tried to accommodate him, so here here's the thing that it says from the team, um, and we already mentioned how. That he, they said he would not be renewed. Though apparently they would honor his contract for the remaining more than a year, so he had more than a year left on his contract. So some sometime in 2024, he would have been he would have disappeared from the organization, and they would support his endeavor and, and, to continue. And apparently that's what caused him to. It, uh, it, it appears so that when they said you're not, we're not renewing your contract, that's when he said, "All right, we're going to go all scorched earth." And this is oath. Our position which consists with many efforts we've made to accommodate Terry during his time with the team despite difficulties in his personal life and his often vol- volatile demeanor towards colleagues. And he talks about, you know, how this is kind of a scheme 
apparently starting in at least 2019, which I, I don't know if it led to his demotion or was the result of his demotion. Uh, according to the team, uh, he would he would consistently record interactions with colleagues and apparently he was having problems in in his family life uh the team alleges that there was evidence now as they did a file review that there were there was evidence of domestic abuse that that's 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 low like to bring that out in in this like report it to the league or whatever um He'd been but that's my thing is they talk about his, you know, um, alcohol use. They talk about his domestic violence. Like, and again, you kept this guy on. Like, I again, like, I'm not condoning if any or all of that is true. I'm not condoning what Terry McDonough did. Um but you kept him on like you continued to employ him pay him an exorbitant salary and leave him <laughs> in a position of power for years so like you don't look good in this situation going well you know we were trying to help him. it okay yeah, like, oh you know what it honestly feels like it feels like they were both playing a game of chicken against each other. It really does. It, it was almost like, uh, like what, what, they knew they knew that he was probably building something up against them, and so they had something ready. And maybe part of that, there was kind of this agreement to say, "Hey, if because they moved him to okay, you can you evaluate players. We're just not going to have you work. You're not going to be in the room with us anymore because you're hard to work with." So you keep evaluating players. We'll keep you on the team because we we appreciate what we've done in the past. But it's we're we're hitting a point, and you know that he's brought things up, or or they feel guilty that there's been things that haven't been handled correctly, and they know that he could bring things up. So it's almost a blackmail extortion type thing. And so they're building. It, their, so they they have this dossier. They have this file of just documentation after documentation after documentation. It's like it's like they both knew someone was going to file for divorce at some point, and so both spouses are both documenting every little thing. And that's what... And so once McDonough, he files for that divorce, I guess what it was is that the Cardinals, uh, <laughs> the team advises him, hey, we're divorcing. And so... McDonough brings out his. This is my. This is my evidence, and then the Cardinals coming back. This is our evidence against you. What in the world? What in the world? I don't know. This thing. This is so well, messy. It, it like, was almost. It's almost like mutually assured destruction. Right? <laughs> like they. They like you said. They both knew that it was they, hush money almost. Yeah, and so it, they were paying him hush money job because they didn't want stuff to come out. But they also were building up; they were building up their leverage against him. Ah. Yeah, it's just I don't. I mean, you don't it, like genuinely don't even know what to make of it. Like, it's just such a, it's such an asinine situation for an NFL franchise to be. Like, Absolutely. why? Why are you even in that situation? Um, you know, and then it was something that caught our attention. I, I don't remember who said it, um, and who brought it up, but like, it ended, it ended up prompting the Cardinals to have to hire or like create an HR division and like that part, that's part of the arbitration claim the, the part of the arbitration claim is that there was a there was an employee survey put out and that bidwill didn't like the results so we canceled it while the team came back and said no actually he got the results and they we acted swiftly on that and that that's when they they barely like just you know after 2019 is when they finally had an HR department right and it's like it's like so 
what was going on before? And so like to hear ex-employees and we're not going to like, you know, we have not spoken to any of these people. Like, I don't want to say that these but, are on, on the record. We don't, we definitely don't have things on the record other but than think, there are a couple of former employees who on social media right. made it clear that, okay, legit. But, and, and maybe we, maybe honestly, I, I kind of would like personally to to be able to carefully and judiciously, if 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 any of these people that I know, talk to them, get their story out, um, it, tell it from their point of view without right. necessarily naming names or or, or going score church, but because what we're hearing is that this organization, which didn't have a good reputation but before, but at least under Michael's father, at least under Michael's father, there was some good to it. The The bad reputation was on the football side. Right. It was always about how cheap they were. Yes. And how they didn't care or didn't treat the players the way. It was just the did. football side of things. And since Michael took over, the narrative has been how much better things have been. But the last year of scandal, of this and that, it's really taken a toll on it. But let, let's... Well, well, and that's, I mean, and that's what is so sad about this whole thing, right? Is like you said, like, it felt like he was creating this, like, hey, I'm not my dad. Like, I'll, you know, I'll create a a team and an environment that people will want to play under and that can be successful. And, and like you said, that seems to be happening at a higher clip, right? Like that's happening at a better clip, but (laughs) instead it's now a toxic work environment. Like it's, it's just, it's it's like you traded one problem for bigger one for, for a bigger a, bigger yeah, societal for, type ginormous problem right for a problem that you shouldn't ever have like this shouldn't be something that you you have to worry about and like i said i'm like obviously you and i you know work in different fields but like we've been employed for a long time can you imagine like your work and not having an HR department. Yeah, that would never happen. Like you're like, wait, so if I have a problem, who do I go to? <laughs> uh, you, you can you just go, to, you go to the boss. Apparently. Right. You're, you're like, you, you can just come to me. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I, you know, I've got a problem with you. Yeah. So I got to come to you. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's just a, Oh man, it's just such a baffling situation, man. And like, Holy cow, like I just don't know what to make of it because it's just like we said, it just seems so unbelievable almost, right? Like it's just like an unbelievable situation. Absolutely it is. It's it's crazy. This is this is worse than any weird movie. But anyway, coming on next on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, the best of Cardinals talk about let's talk a little bit more, but we'll talk specifically some thoughts we have on the on the burner phone part which is what got the big part of the news because that's the the cheating part and i have a conspiracy theory but you know it's but yeah just hear me out that's coming next on rise of sea red we're back on the rise of sea red podcast the best of our cardinals talk on the web what these stories both the one from espn and the athletic both their stories led with the cell phone scheme this burner phone scheme and I, my first reaction is, is to this is, I don't understand. Like, uh, of all the things that's being alleged, I don't understand the cell phone thing in the least because this was not a league suspension. This was a suspension that was levied by Bidwill. Kaim is suspended five weeks. He can't have contact with the team. And yet McDonough... McDonough would like to suggest that Bidwell Bidwell was either behind or agreed to 
circumvent that suspension by using burner phones to contact Kime during the five-week suspension. Now, granted, this is this was Steve Wilkes' first first coaching job, his first year as head coach. Um, he's a rookie head coach. And, and remember, that was, I mean, not the burner phone part, but that was a huge portion of Wilkes' lawsuit against the Arizona Cardinals was that part of his belief that he was unfairly or unjustly fired was that he did not have the normal support of a normal offseason and general manager because his general manager was suspended for Correct. all By, of training all camp. Of training camp and so and the when he got fired but he was given a, he wasn't getting a fair shake essentially is what he said but to me it just seems so like why why would Bidwell levy a suspension in that fashion then and then undermine his own suspension to try to yeah circumvent to it. try to circumvent that when it's just preseason training camp and, and the the big roster decisions weren't going to happen unless they just really were well and, and yeah and, and so what this comes to is supposedly that during let me find the the accusation um, where it says that he <laughs> let me see Burnerfully communicated but they complete da, 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 breach of contract reporting complaint maybe it's on the ESPN one it's like it's, it felt like oh the filing said that the day after McDonough told Bidwell neither he nor Wilkes wanted to communicate like I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk to Kime. I don't want to do it. That neither he nor Wilkes wanted to communicate with Kime during the suspension. Bidwell summoned him into his office and wrote him up for subordination. Um, but, I mean, this goes back to the question. Why would this not have been brought up by Wilkes if this was a thing? Like, would Yeah, that, that, that too, because if that's misconduct... Part of his lawsuit? Like... Think about think about like Brian Flores, right? And and one of the things Brian Flores alleged was that he was instructed to lose games to tank, right? Like, why why would he not bring that up if it was a real? And I'm not. I guess I can't say real thing because that's. That's a harsh thing, but it it just seems like you said it just seems far fetched um, to see that yeah Michael Bidwill would hand down something and then and almost immediately because the suspension was announced July seventeenth. This is what the complaint says on July. 23rd, McDonough approached Bidwill on the field after practice and told him that he and Wilkes were not comfortable speaking and that they could find handle the five-week suspension in Kimes' absence. The Cardinals did not need to cheat to have a successful preseason. The complaint states Bidwill stopped McDonough and started screaming at him at a lot, accusing of McDonough's subordination and telling McDonough they didn't. So this, is a poor, this apparently happened on the field. On the field. McDonough was summoned to his office and he was written up and uh, yeah, it just, so it's, this was, this was six days, like less than a week. So like if, if this was some conspiracy, if like some burner phone, like they, this is like a lame duck suspension, then it was Bidwell talking publicly. And, and I, I can't remember if I was there cause it was right. Or, or if I was just there the week later from training camp, where he was very public, we were swift, we were decisive, you know, he suspended, and then apparently immediately said, hey, he, you know, here's these phones, you can, you know, talk to Steve on the down low. Right, and again, like, I just, that portion of it doesn't make sense, um, and then to top it all off, then, you know, they ended up with the first pick in the draft that year and, and everything, <laughs> so, so, like, they cheated and they did it incredibly 
Right, right. I do want to give you my conspiracy theory. This is no, I'm going to tell you I have no basis for this other than you have given us the idea that it's a conspiracy theory. So at that point, you're off the hook. If people take it seriously, <laughs> so I, I'm just connecting some dots because based on what, so it feels like that that McDonough is not completely stable. You know that he's got an axe to grind. So you can either go with the conspiracy that Bidwill was really trying to low-key not suspend Steve Kine. So it was just for fake. But let let me go with this, because either McDonough, this is my conspiracy, that McDonough was behind. Like, McDonough was trying to find ways to create leverage for the against the team, um, trying to build up dirt against the team. Maybe he knew, um, I'll preface this, is that, Eventually, it was going to come down like it, all of his all the stuff that he's been that's been the problem. There, there was this thing. So when when the 49ers were interviewing McDonough, there was a report on Niners Nation by one of the staff there who did. I I I don't know how credible the reporting was, like what type of sources. But this this writer for Niners Nation, who's the SB Nation's like um like set sets network SB Nation, and and back in that time, it was not long after I was part of SB Nation as well. Um, but that the 49ers should be wary of McDonough because the the report was that, let me, let me read it, it was that McDonough has been called hard to deal with and not a good guy so much that Arizona started a positive campaign over the last season just to get him out of the building. So dating back to like 2016, 2017. And, and I remember that now. It say that, that that basically they were trying to promote him to get him out of the franchise because he was hard to work with. And it sounds like because some of the some of the things that the team has come out in their statement, um re, you know, the retaliatory statement about what's happened is there is some really unstable stuff. So let, let's 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 roll with this my theory. Maybe, if not he was involved, that McDonough was the one who tried to create the get the contact. It wasn't Bidwill, but rather it was McDonough that tried to set up the communication with Kime. Um And there's a couple of things to go with this. One, according to the team, during the suspension, Bidwill wanted to be part in, wanted to be present for meetings, for the executive meetings, the general manager type things, the personnel meetings, while Kime was out. McDonough flipped out about that. Okay? And note the reaction that, that McDonough alleges when he approaches Bidwill on the field about the burner phones. So, here's a conspiracy theory that I, I can believe. I'm not going to say that it is. I'm not going to say this. But this is that McDonough perpetrated this scheme he was the one that did the burner phones to create contact with Kai during his suspension. And when that Bidwell allegedly blew up at him, so rather than McDonough telling Bidwell that it was, I'm not comfortable, I'm not, I, we, we don't need to do this. If McDonough was behind it and Bidwell didn't know, what do you think his reaction would have been on the field? Right, it and would have been a blow up like that. So either McDonough was saying, "Hey, I'm going to tell people about this burner phone thing," or "I did this burner phone thing." We've been telling, so we've been cheating, and Bidwill blew up at him, and because the team, the team alleges that it was some executive. He did not name the executive did it and as soon as Bidwell heard about it he 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 you know he nipped it in the bud Mike Jarecki he said he can confirm that there was communication with Kime during the suspension so there was some something that happened whether and, that and the, the, the sure. burner phones but it found but it feels like that here's my conspiracy is the fact that maybe McDonough was behind it all to try and bring the bring the organization down or to well, try to leverage something against the team and quite frankly, we always assume they had contact with Kime. Like we we 
you know, would never be shocked to find that out. But the whole burner phone thing, like, like I said, I have two thoughts about it. The first one being like, I feel like Steve Wilkes would have been like, Hey guys, this is what's going on. Right. Like this is a guy that, you know, again, feels like he did not get a fair shake. He would have come out with right, which lends itself. Wilkes didn't know about this. Was a McDonough? I think McDonough was this whole thing. Like, right? I, I so that's what I was going to say. Either one, this was proposed. The they truly did say no, and then McDonough went back and said, "Okay, I'll do it." You know, just don't tell Steve. He doesn't want to be involved or something like that. Which you know, again, that's hard to believe, but maybe it happened. Or two, like you said. This was Terry McDonough just creating something that way he had, like you said, some dirt or something um, on these guys. And, and it's just especially like if, if he knew that the team knew potentially of some issues that he was having at home. Well, and again, I go back to that, like, you know, I, I truly am truly dumbfounded that the Cardinals released all of that information thinking that it was going to negatively (laughs) impact Terry McDonough. And to me, it was more like you guys knowingly employed a monster for years and, and didn't do anything about it. Right. And we, we always thought, so remember, I remember when, McDonough disappeared. It this all happened in twenty nineteen, which was timeline time, was when Patrick Peterson received his PED suspension and then had some beef with the front office that we never knew of about exactly. There was something that happened with the front office. He has his little mini holdout in off season workouts and OTAs. McDonough's demoted. Peterson comes back, seems to save face. He's apologetic for what happened. Um, It always felt that McDonough had something to do with that. We knew it was contract-related. Another thing, another thing is that, um, this is the funny one, is that, what was that? That he also gave, he leaked to certain media members, and guess what? We know that's not local media. No one leaks anything to our local media here, national media. And so we also discovered that he had secretly conveyed private personal documents, description of private meetings, and other confidential information to selected media, all with the purpose of aiming criticism as his colleagues to benefit himself. This is all in violation of our guideline and, and mutual trust in our workplace. Doesn't that feel a little What's bit... It? Kyler stuff. I was going to say, is he the guy that's been leaking all the Kyler stuff? Kyler stuff. That's got to be it. Because private personnel documents, some of the quotes that, that, for example, that that Chris Mortensen said, wouldn't those come from personnel documents? Right. Yeah, and so you just look at it, and again, again, this just, I mean, nobody looks good in this situation. Nobody, because you're basically saying like, yeah, we employed a monster for, you know, however long he was here. And like we, we let him until, until he went after the wrong guy. Right. Then he went after Mike and then it was too much. Oh, yeah. and then, we got, then we got to deal with him. And that's, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry, man. That just, that just screams an organ, a toxic organization where they allow these guys to operate unchecked until it comes back on them and then it's like oh we've got to deal with this guy he's out of control right and and it's like all right so you you let it go on you know forever and now it's too much like now that it's taking aim at you it's too much Coming up next on the Rise of Series podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talking about. Let's look at the other accusations and some other stuff that we've heard about the organization. That's coming up next on Rise of Series. 
We're back on the Rise Up Series podcast, Mr. Sort of Cardinals talk on the web. The other part of this uh, of this arbitration filing. Now, obviously, it this the, they led with the cheating scandal, with the burner phone scandal, but then it delves into the part which seems to be problematic throughout organizations throughout the entire United States. And and it's as a culture shift and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it, but but it sounds like that is that talking about not only did Bidwill mistreat McDonough, that he also mistreated people within the organization and suggested that it was that it that it has to do with gender and race and ethnicity. McDonough said in his filing that he had treated a black employee and two pregnant women poorly and created a, an environment of fear for minority employees. Um, even mentioning specifically that Bidwell reduced two went pregnant women, one five months and one seven months, tear to tears after screaming at them with abusive and bullying mistreatment. Um, and then many employees who responded to the survey, oh, there, there, then there was the 2019 they decided to conduct an employee engagement survey to see Bidwill intercept. Many of the employees who responded to the survey indicated they were fearful of Bidwill on a daily basis as a result of Bidwill's erratic and often abusive interactions with them. Oh. And then said that his workplace misconduct is significantly worse than Phoenix Sun's previous owner, Robert Sarver, who ultimately was suspended for a year and find $10 million before he sold the franchise. Yeah. I don't... This is this is the hard one. This is the very difficult one to, to swallow. Well, I think the first thing we have to acknowledge is that um, you have to remember that um, Terry McDonough and his brother were... You know, or Terry Ryan McDonough, McDonough was, the, Ryan was, McDonough the was the GM by of the Suns. Of the Suns. And and McDonough also was part of the accusations, part of it, in part, of some of the accusations against Sarver. And so that basis is obviously... Uh, that basis is obviously, you know, something that he would at least have some knowledge of. However, it it does sound a little um, over the top, and I'm not, you know, discounting anybody's, you know, what what they've dealt with because you and I weren't there. We have not been there. We've never dealt with that, so you know, we wouldn't know. That being said, um, like we talked about a little bit earlier, um, you know, people like Kyle Odegaard, people like Felipe Lopez, people, people Felipe like Corral. These, oh, F- Felipe Corral, excuse me, and, junior, uh, junior, junior, not, not yeah, the yeah. not the 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 news reporter for tele for Telemundo's uh, sports here in in Phoenix, his son, his son. Yeah, who and Lisa Matthews, all who worked for the Arizona Cardinals, um, they did not say if they had the experience, but they did say they Felipe did on social media. Okay, in responding to he himself said the mistreatment that he dealt with. Uh, So this this is on the record. He said, this is one, this is in response to someone on social media. I can almost guarantee you there's over 50 plus former employees who could corroborate any info. I was there for four and a half years and the mistreatment I went through doesn't compare to what some women went through. And so, and, and, you know, Kyle and, and Lisa both basically to an extent. They said, oh, they felt bad for the people working in that environment. Right. Still working in that environment, I think is how they phrased it, if I remember right. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, you look at it, it is clearly something 
that is wrong within the organization. But I go back to what I've been saying. That is now not a surprise when you allowed a person with all of the issues that Terry McDonough apparently had for years to be a high-ranking executive within that organization and kind of do it unchecked. Like, like should we be surprised that the organization that employed Terry McDonough and knowingly had all of this arsenal at the ready, like you said, basically a dossier of, of problems that he had personally at the ready, should we be surprised that there's a toxic culture and work environment going on there? I mean, at that point, once that's known, you're kind of like, oh, that all makes sense, <laughs> right? Like, I can see that because basically you've said that there's nothing that we deem um reprehensible about a person because we're allowing them to behave in this way without any without any repercussions and like i said the crazy thing to me is it seems like and again this is our conspiracy theory but it seems like it was not until he went after michael bidwill that McDonough then had anything to do, right? Like with with uh, being disciplined. Yeah. I, you know, people I know that I, the interactions with people I've had within the media side of things, from what I understand, they did not personally, for the most part, experience that. But both people I spoke to who responded to me said they weren't shocked by any of this. They weren't like, one was, yeah, it's bad. And another said, it didn't shock me. And so it, does, it doesn't sound like it's completely widespread. That there are some people who, who avoid that. Yeah, it, it's it's just tough, and and especially we're now it, it we're now in a place in society where there's it's hard to defend yourself against that, even if it is whatever is considered toxic, you know. Perhaps perhaps Bidwill was angry, yelling or being very angry and upset with a couple of pregnant women. That doesn't ever look good. Um, we're now at a, at a place in society and the work, but probably a better place and, and should, honestly, it is a better place so that we don't have to worry about verbal abuse in, in our, in our jobs. But I want to be sensitive to the fact that sometimes there are reasons in the workplace to be upset. Should, should it be berating anger? No, but are there times in the workplace where performance leads one to to be told things that you don't want to hear and that could cause someone to break down? It, it very well could be. Um, and no, I don't want to don't want to suggest that, especially when they are naming when they're saying things that are dealing with gender and with with ethnicity. We're gonna we're gonna assume that most people are good employees. That's not always in the case, but I don't I don't know like. This is just this is just such a nuanced and difficult thing to to maneuver because you like how bad is it like who's affected and and people and and a couple of people I know was was even like is willing to kind of talk about it privately but and and isn't necessarily is thinking about well what would be repercussions about speaking publicly about some of the stuff that they know that that's weird stuff like you're you know you're now you're dealing into you know big money and and hiding things and all things like that right 
Yeah, stuff above my pay grade. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the thing is like all we can talk about from this perspective is what we have experienced firsthand and then what we know firsthand from others, you know, saying what their experience was. Um, and we know for a fact that, um, you know, the, the Cardinals have employed a lot of the same people for a long time. That there, um, there's a lot of turnover in the lower, lower, yeah, the lower but leadership level. does stay generally the same. And so typically what happens with that is that, and this isn't always the case. And this is again, you know, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. Um, typically that happens because places aren't good to work at. Like typically you don't continue to employ the same executives and turn over the the people that are doing the actual day-to-day stuff um, unless things are uh, untenable, I guess is the best way to say it, you know, like, and so the other thing is there is a power dynamic of the reality is that there's a, a lot of people that control the ability to get jobs in the NFL and, and Michael Bidwill is one of those people that can kind of make or break, um, make or break that, that chance. And so, you know, when people say, well, why hasn't this been talked about or why didn't, well, if you're just a media member, you know, who happens to get an opportunity to work for the Arizona Cardinals, you have to remember most of the time these guys aren't Cardinals fans in the first spot, right? So they have no care or anything. So they're not going to ruffle feathers. They're not going to do anything like that. They're straight up just trying to get to their next chance and job. Um, and so if they have bad experiences and or feel like it's not a great work environment, they're not going to complain about it. They're just going to go take the next job that's available. And we've seen that with basically all of those media members, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and so like it it's not surprising to me that it would take a scorned lover, so to speak, for all of this to come out. And then people are like, well, yeah, it happened, but I wasn't going to be the one to bring it up. Like I was a $45,000 a year employee trying to get to a $60,000 a year employee um, covering something I love in, in football. I wasn't about to burn a potential bridge. Like all of that makes sense to me. I'm not saying that it's right or that they should feel that way, but like that all makes sense because that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. It, it just, the, the whole situation for, for me, it just makes it really sad. You know, we're well, like, like, remember we're both fans, but this is the team I grew up loving. And, and you know me, I've been guilty of unnecessary optimism that there's a lot of stuff I've defended the franchise for, but this is, this is really hard. Um, it's really hard, and, and and it's partially believable. Like this is the thing is that it's not like you can't dismiss it. You can't just dismiss it because it's not like when you are of the age that Bidwell is, and so the time that he grew up, and he for a long time had no basically, you know, kind of like the Jerry Jones in in Dallas is that he kind of has been able to do whatever he wants, so things don't go his way if he's never had anyone to check him. And he grew up at a time in, in a culture, like 
it's me, you a little less so, you're a little young, much younger than I am, but, you know, growing up where the idea is push, 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 especially when it comes to corporate, when it comes to anything competitive in sports, you push, you push, you push, you push, and if your per- performance isn't up to snuff, you will be pushed and you'll be uncomfortable for you, and so motivation like like, the the way coaches coach heck like how do players get the coaches get in get give players an earful that's it's not unlike the sports world for players when coaches are like from the outsider abusive to players but it's part of the culture not that good or good or bad but at the same time is it excessive like so is that is that toxic in today's society, it kind of is. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to is like, you know, and that's what you and I kind of talked about off the air is like the reality becomes whether or not we agree or would have had issues with something or both or whatever, um, that, that is, 100% the standard now. And so that is how you have to judge all of this, right? Like you have to look at it from that perspective of like, oh, this is something that is untenable and that's something that shouldn't be happening and that matters. And and whether or not you agree with it doesn't matter. Um and and that's just, I mean, that's just where we're at now. And so, and like you said, it's for the better. Like we're trying to make things better. We're trying to get us into a position where, you know, work environments are healthy and things like that. And, you know, everybody tries to create an atmosphere of, of wanting to be there and wanting to work there. And and that's, you know, obviously not happening and so um you know it just it becomes it just becomes tough um to see that this is happening kind of like you said for the team that we follow and and root for because it just makes it hard if if you're talking about a bad or toxic place it's hard to be want to cheer or root for that right like even if you're saying to yourself oh well you know they're trying to make it better or they're they're working to get it better like um that's not that's not ideal or an ideal way to go about it Coming up next on the Rise of Sierra podcast, Spencer Carlson's talking about. We're going to move away from that and talk a little bit about DeAndre Hopkins. What's new with that? That's coming up next on Rise of Sierra. We're back on the Rise of Sierra podcast, Spencer Cardinals talking on the web. We still can't get rid of the DeAndre Hopkins talk. He's not betrayed, um, but apparently, no, it's not really that. The Cardinals wouldn't release him, would they? That's that's what teams are apparently waiting for now, according to Albert Breer. Now, the initial report when it was presented, it came across in his mailbag. Someone asked him, he gave an answer in his column. And then people said on, twi- on Twitter and said, according to Albert Breer, the Cardinals could release DeAndre Hopkins. That's not what Breer said. What Breer said was that part of the reason why things are slow is that there are teams who think the Cardinals could release Hopkins. There are teams that hope the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> will release Hopkins. And, and, you know, I don't know if it was you. I don't know if it's Blake. I don't know if it's Johnny. I, I, I don't remember who tweeted it. But basically, remember, like, that floated um, similar to what the Raiders did with Rodney Hudson. That was Johnny. That, 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 was, uh, that was what Johnny said. He's, no, it's, it's important to note is that it was floated out there that Hudson was going to be released, and that prompted a trade. Because right, and because if you're, let's say the the Patriots, and I'm just throwing a team out there, and you're like, well, he's not going to come here to play with Mac Jones over going to, to KC to play with KC Patrick play Mahomes. With, yeah, with Patrick Mahomes or going to Chicago to get paid, you know, 
$28 million a year or whatever. Um, so we should just go ahead and throw a third round. Like that's not an unthinkable. That's literally what the Cardinals did. It's not an unthinkable thing. Um, so, you know, it would make sense that maybe it was the Cardinals that floated that, right? Like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe we need to, um, do such a thing. So maybe, you know, but at the same time, it felt like a way to get the Cardinals because the Cardinals have been saying, well, what the report has always been is that the Cardinals have not come off of their asking price. So this this is one of those things where a team goes, I think it's more this than the Cardinals throwing it out there. That teams are going, uh, we'll we'll just wait for them to release him because you know the Cardinals aren't going to get that, right? But and then I was thinking, wait, like now first, the Cardinals wouldn't release Hopkins, but would they? I think, I don't know. I don't think they would, but also I think it it doesn't actually benefit the Cardinals to then play chicken long enough to where they trade him midseason. Because isn't part of the reason why they are part of the reason why they are motivated to trade him now is because they want to get his cap number completely off the books in this year. Because if they trade him midseason. Or if they release him and then post June first him, they don't need to trade him or release him for cap space. They have sufficient cap space. It's so that he's not on the book next year. If they trade him midseason, then you're going to carry another eleven and a half million. Uh, you're going to carry another eleven plus million in dead money in 2024 because you traded him after June first, and that's that's the cap reality of it. Hasn't it felt like? And now you would get, you know, you'd get an extra eleven million this year in cap space, but they don't need that. Doesn't it feel like kind of some of the motivation is Austin Fort wants to get him off the book now, so he's off the book next season? This, this for for me, the Tyron Matthew when they cut Tyron Matthew, they didn't save hardly any money when they did it. It was so that they saved all the money the next year. Yeah, and that makes sense because we've kind of talked about all these one and two year deals that they're doing and needing to uh you know, needing to get ready to clear um cap space and and reset the cap in general and that's what we've talked about is you know, people get upset about about the lack of big moves this offseason but to to us it's always made sense because they were going to try um they were going to try to fix the books that were so kind of bad right so my question is this would it be better for them to release him before after the draft if they doesn't if they don't get a trade and get all have no no dead money in 2024 or to have him play half a season, a full season, and then trade him in the off season and carry another eleven million next year. I think they'll end up moving him before the before that because I I really do think that this is just like you said a a game of chicken for everybody, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do. And and right now, it's been tough to. It's been tough to, you know, find a team that's in in an off season where teams just straight up aren't making moves. It's tough to expect a team to throw money at that right now. Yeah. You know, they're going to sit there and see what plays out in the draft. Like, does Zay Flowers, you know, if you're Kansas City, does Zay Flowers make it to 31? Does Quentin Johnston make it to 31? Okay, they don't. Okay, now we need to reevaluate how we're going to address it. I mean, it was the same thing the Cardinals did, right? The Cardinals um, ended up going with Marquise Brown because every wide receiver got drafted before they got on the podium. Like, they knew at, what, pick 12 when – or 15 when Dotson went right that it was like okay well you know we picking at you know seven or eight picks whatever it is we better get on the horn and make sure that we can get this deal done with with 
Baltimore because we don't have there's not a wide receiver we can get at this point. Yeah, it feels like yeah, ultimately a deal will go down on draft night. Um wherever that happens, round 2, round 3. Cuz Hopkins is still really good, let's be honest. But, you know, I I th- there is a part of me that said, well maybe like if they didn't get anything for him that cutting him might be it wouldn't be better for 2023. No, definitely not. But to have Hopkins in 2023 and then not in 2024 and still carry $11 million in dead money, maybe not having him in 2023 and having a plan to replace him now would be better. I don't know. Right, exactly. I mean, it's tough and, and you know, the whole thing has taken so long. You you were hoping it would be done by now. But like I said, it makes it difficult when teams don't want to, you know, make trades or, or add um, to add that type of stuff from on the books. And so you've got to just figure out, you know, where the fit's going to be and when you can make that kind of move and and until that happens you just kind of got to continue to to play it as it is and with that let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of the show i will say that we won't have a show later this week because well among other things i'm not going to be in town you know i'm going to visit my daughter up in up in utah so i will we've got stuff going on so we will we will start our draft shows unless there's more crap that we have to talk about our draft shows start in earnest next week and and kind of the goal over the next three weeks um after this week is to kind of hit two shows next week two shows the week after and then we will have our our mock draft show uh, a couple of days before the draft so that's seth cox this is Jess Root. This is the Rise of Secret Podcast. Thanks for listening. We will be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.